0: Let's open our Bible 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to pick it up where we left, left off. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Any any of you know where this is? Yeah, I have to. Yeah. It almost makes it look surreal, but because it was at night and look at all the stars. That's incredible. Uh, just just for your own information, a friend of mine and I we hiked up to the top of this. I've been up there. I almost fell off. No, not really. <laughs> I didn't get anywhere near the edge. It was way too scary. It's in Yosemite. Half Dome. It's called Half Dome. Incredible, beautiful, beautiful place. But we're talking about the Word of God uh, today and in uh, in this section of uh, Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we talked last week about accurately handling the Word of Truth. It's so, so important that we stick to the Word. And we want to keep reminding ourselves each one of us to stick to the word and not not be quarreling about side issues and uh, minor points but stick stick to the solid the biblical foundational truths that are found in the scripture look with me if you will again to verse 15 he says do you, he says to Timothy do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles The word of truth. He says, really, you know, do your best. Work at it to please God in this area. Don't be ashamed of the word. But work at it to handle it correctly, to handle it accurately. And and the the word we saw, it means to cut a straight path, a direct route right through. That's what that word means, to, to cut a straight path. So we look at God's word. We ask, what does it say? What does it mean? And then how does it apply to me? There were, as Paul goes on to say there in those verses, there were those who were distorting, who were twisting the word of God. Just as there are today in our lives and in our situation and in this world today, there are those that are twisting and distorting the word. Many of them, I hate to say this, for their own benefit, for their own uh, greed. And Paul talks about that in other places as well. But... And this is what we're going to look at today in verse 19. But, verse 19, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we thank You for giving us Your Word. We thank You for giving us this place. We thank You that you have heard our cries, and, and you have responded, and you uh, always respond to us. And many, as Chris shared, many have decided to follow you and, and, and uh, given their lives to you because you have given your life to us. And so, Jesus, we pray you'd open our hearts and minds today, even as we just look at this verse. We consider these things that are found there. Speak to our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, there you go. I just want to make sure you're listening. First thing he says there, and, and, and this is a very important thing, no matter what people do, no matter that people twist and distort, no matter that there are people that are trying things for their own benefit, with false motives sometimes, he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, the foundation God's solid foundation stands firm. God's solid foundation stands firm. That's an incredible thing. How many of you uh, 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 live in a house without a foundation? What? Almost got you, didn't I, Mark? Mark almost went. Well, actually, he doesn't have a foundation, does he? Yeah, because Mark lives in a boat on the water, so he's got no foundation. So when the winds come like they did the last few days, it gets a little bit scary, huh? You yeah, have what? An even keel. But for, for the church and for the truth of God, we have this solid foundation that, you know what, no matter what people do, that God's solid foundation stands firm. It can't be moved. We talked about, you know, the faithfulness of God a couple weeks ago, that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he must remain faithful. Because he must be true to himself and true to who he is. So it's the same with the truth of God. And even in our own lives, when sometimes we might wander away a little bit, you know, God will bring you back to that solid foundation in the word. Because it's always going to be there. It's always going to be solid. It's always going to be, you can depend upon it. Always, 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 always. This foundation that we have. Now, the first part of the foundation, when we talk about the foundation is this, that it's Jesus himself, right? That's our foundation, Jesus himself. You say, why do I say that? Well, look at the verses here. The first one 1 Corinthians 3 says no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is what? Jesus Christ, that's the foundation that we build our lives upon. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. If there's any foundation and doesn't have Jesus in it, it's not a foundation. It's not the foundation of God. It's not the foundation that God has given to you and me. And go somewhere else. You know, you know what people say that all paths lead where? To heaven, to God. Someone said nowhere. <laughs> you know, I think it used to be, and it probably still is, that all roads lead to London when you're in England. All roads lead to London, because that's the kind of the center of, uh, of the, the UK. And, and you know what? All, in the truth of, of, of the Scripture, and the truth of God's revelation, to God, it's not true that all roads lead to heaven. It's just not true. If you leave Jesus out of the equation, you are not going to make it to heaven. You will not get there. You're going to be going somewhere, but it's not heaven. Any other path that doesn't go through the cross... Is a false path. Say, well, oh, come on, Rich, that is, uh, you know, that is like, you're gonna offend people. You're gonna make people mad because there are lots of different uh, philosophies, a lot of different ways that people say that you can get to heaven. Isn't that true? How I many of you had this conversation with someone you work with? Well, you know that's good for you and everything, but but I, you know, I, I kind of like uh, this transcendental meditation, or I kind of like, you know, uh, the I Ching, or some of these other uh, uh, paths that have been spelled out. I kind of like a lot of different things, and you know, God wouldn't just, you know, f- you know, uh, kind of go against people because they didn't follow those, this one way, really. Is that what the Bible says? He says here it's the, it's the cornerstone, it's the chief cornerstone, Christ Jesus himself. And, and there's no other foundation than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And that passage in 1 Corinthians 3 is talking about don't build anything on any other foundation because it's not going to last, it's not going to work, it's not going to stand. Another interesting thing about this idea of the foundation and, and why it's so strong is this here, the church. The church, and we're not talking about just any church, we're talking about the church, right? Look what it says there. It says, God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The pillar and the foundation of the truth. So we have Jesus Christ, he's the chief cornerstone. He is is the guy as far as our foundation, where it's going to be standing firm, solid, secure, but then in, in, in God's plan, the church has something to do with this, you see. That's pretty, pretty interesting, right? say, well, he doesn't, he, he doesn't really... Jesus is enough, right? Why would he want to use the church? Why would God even include the church in this foundation? Why? Because we need each other. And we need a place where we can gather together, where we can minister to one another, where we can encourage one another. Where the truth is spread, where the truth is proclaimed, this foundation of the truth. It's it's just the way that he has chosen to do it. So what about these people who say, you know, I'm I'm a a believer in Jesus. I really do believe in Jesus. I really have uh, accepted him and believe in him. But the church, you know, uh, not so much. Any of you have talked to people like that? Or maybe you, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of got the same thing. I don't really need church. But God has decided in his sovereignty, in his sovereign plan, to make the church part of this foundation that you and I are built on. When we first came to Rhode Island, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, <laughs> we, we would meet people, so many people, that didn't go to church anywhere. They just, something happened, they got hurt, right? Or somebody let them down, or something happened, they didn't get to do what they wanted to do, or whatever. Something happened, and they said, well, I'm, I'm just not going to church anymore. I'm not going to be a part of it. Maybe you've been in a place like that, too. I just, I just don't want to be, I just can't deal with those people. And that guy that speaks at, at that Calvary church, I just can't even deal with that, for sure. right? But but are we are we cutting ourselves off from part of that foundation that God has got for our lives? I think so. I really believe so. As I said, we need each other. The church, we need each other. We encourage one another. It's part of this foundation. This solid, this stable foundation that we can also build our lives on. So I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. This is... Uh, Jesus uses this word. Matthew chapter 7, if you'll turn with me there, verse 24. Let's read what Jesus said about a foundation. And Mark, you better pay attention to this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... And puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So he's talking about here about not having a foundation, not building our lives on the foundation and on the rock. And we have looked at these two parts of this. One, the rock, the solid rock of Jesus Christ himself. There's so many scriptures talk about Jesus being the rock the cornerstone, and then throughout the Old Testament, you know, that God is our rock that we can build our lives upon. When we build upon anything else, it's like building on sand. Building on sand. Like quicksand. But part of this that Jesus talks about is not just hearing the word, but putting it in practice, and we're going to look at that in, in our other verse uh, in just a minute here. So turning back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 19, he says that we have this solid foundation, that it's God's solid foundation, the foundation that God has given to us, and it stands firm. But it says that he sealed that foundation with an inscription. You know what that means? It's like if you had this foundation stone and you went with a chisel, right? And you kind of chiseled words into it, right? You kind of put a seal on it. And like... You know, the kind of thing where Jesus, when he went into the tomb and they rolled the stone in there and they, they put a seal on the tomb, right? And they would put in the seal, sometimes it would be wax, that kind of thing. They put a seal with, with whoever was making that decision, their name would be sealed into that, stamped into that, right? Say, well, what's that got to do with it? You'll see, but... The, the foundation has got this seal on it. And, and this particular uh, verse is telling us that there are two parts of this seal. This two parts of this seal of ownership where God has put his name to it. Again, if you notice there, the first part of the verse, it says that it's God's solid foundation. And, and he seals it. He puts this inscription onto it. And, and really it is in two parts. Two parts. But first, before we look at those, I want to ask you a question. Who do you belong to? Jesus. Who do you belong to? Whose are you? And the next question I want to ask is, can people tell? Is there like a family resemblance, perhaps? Can they see it? What I think, what I think is natural and normal for us in our uh, humanity is to say, to say this. I don't belong to no one. That's good English. I don't belong to no one, right? That's what we think. I am my own person. In our society, it's telling us that th- this is the way to go. This is, this is the attitude. This is what you need to know. You fight for numero uno, which is me. <coughs> Who do you belong to? Well, the truth is we all belong to someone We all belong to somebody, right? You know, we use these kinds of words all the time, right? My wife, right? My kids, my dad, my friend. Oh, sometimes we say the wife, you know, we'll be here in a little bit. You know, we try to skirt the issue, right? But we talk about, you know, that we belong to each other. We belong to it. It's, it's part of this thing. It's, it's, it's really based on relationship, isn't it? It speaks of relationship. But I think one of the things that, are, that sticks out in my mind that, that makes it right is that it's not by force. Right? I belong to my wife and she belongs to me, but it, we, we made a conscious decision. To give ourselves to each other. We call that getting married, right? Same kind of thing throughout. And, and when, it's, when it's by force, something's wrong, right? If you have a job, you work there still by choice. Isn't that true? My job? My boss? Now, you may not like everything that goes on there. We, so what I'm trying to say is that this is all part of, part of a, a normal kind of existence, the normal part of that we do belong to one another uh, and we belong. But 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19, this, the first part of this inscription, I think, is, is very, very important, very, very powerful, is that we belong to Him, or we can belong to him. The Lord knows those who are what? His. The Lord knows those who are His. Just inherent in that is that not everybody is His. Another false uh, assumption, another false doctrine, is this idea that everybody is going where? To heaven. Everybody is going to heaven, but the Bible doesn't declare that. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere says, those who surrender, who come to Jesus Christ, will have eternal life. Now, this particular phrase that, that Paul's using here, it kind of goes back to uh, Numbers chapter 16, where there was this rebellion, really, the rebellion of Korah. And this guy, you know, stood up and said, listen, you can't tell us what to do. We're just as cool as you are. You can't tell us anything, Moses. And Moses said, okay, whatever. He kind of backed up a little bit. He says, you know what? He says, the Lord will show who belongs to him. And if you know what the rest of that story says, it's not a pretty sight. Paul says here to Timothy, the Lord knows those who are his. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of his. The question I think we need to ask ourselves is this, am I one of his? He knows, right? That's what it says. The Lord knows those who are his. He knows. He knows our hearts. He knows if I truly belong to him. And by the way, it's also also back and forth too. I belong to him, but he belongs to me as well. He's my God. He's my Savior. When, When Doubting Thomas finally got his act together, what did he say to Jesus? My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. So he knows. He knows. What a wonderful thing it is, though, to belong to him, to be one of his. That's kind of that word, just that one word has been sticking in my mind, his. His, I belong to him. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, it's kind of like in the middle of your Bible. Just just, uh, fling it open and you'll probably end up right on Isaiah 43. Well, maybe not. But you can try. That's a really good way, right, also to, to get God's guidance. You just kind of flip the Bible open and put your finger somewhere when you really need an answer to a question. Right? Can God answer that? Okay, I'm just trying to throw you off over there who's contradicting my foolishness. It is kind of foolish. But sometimes he might do that. I just don't want to say don't ever. (laughs) When you don't know where to go, just open the Bible. Open the book. That's my counsel to you. I don't care where you open the book, but open the book and God will use it in your life. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2, though, this is speaking, of course, about Israel and and Israel were God's chosen people, right? But I think there's a principle here that that they belong to him and that for you and I, when we are one of his, I think we can see some things about this. Look at Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says, what Yahweh says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are mine when we are his That's what he says to you. You are mine. But look at verse 2. We see some of the benefits of this. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Because you are mine, he says, no matter if these things happen to you, the waters, the rivers, the fire. Any of you ever go through any of those things? Somebody was talking to someone today and he says, are you you having any uh, tribulation? And, And I said, of course, aren't we all? Aren't we always going through some kind of tribulation, either coming out of some kind of tribulation or going into some kind of tribulation? But he says that it, it, you are mine. He says, I'm going to be there with you. You're going to make it through that tribulation, that trial, that trouble. Why? Because I'm the Lord. You are mine. You are mine, he says. How about this verse? Jesus says it here. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That's powerful, you know. That's powerful. He says, says that he knows you. If you're one of his, he knows you. He knows you. Now our verse here says that the Lord knows those who are his, but can you know? Can I know? Let's see what it says in Romans chapter 8. Turn there with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I'm having you to turn all kinds of places today because I want you to open the book and find these things. And don't don't be afraid to use the index if you can't find it. It's okay. It's okay. How do you think we we learn? Romans chapter 8, verse 15. He says, for you, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And some versions say adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That is so beautiful, isn't it? The Spirit of God. He gives us His Spirit. By Him, by the Spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. There's something very, very special. It's not just that He owns us, but it's a, it's a, a relationship, as I said earlier. That I am His and He's mine. And, and I call Him Abba, Papa, Father. He calls me child. I'm His, And he's given us this spirit. He's given us his spirit. And by that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. I don't know about you, but that's pretty powerful. That that you belong to him. That you are his. I, I had another question, though, that I have to ask these questions. Does God want all to be his? You think? Does God want all people to be His? I think so. That's what it says here in John chapter 1. He says to how many? To how many? All who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. To all who received Him, to those who believed in His name. Maybe you don't know if you're one of His. Well, have you received Him? Have you believed in his name? That's, that's how we become one of his. Again, it's not by force. He's not going to make you do it. But it's a choice. And really, it's a choice of love because he loved us so much. He sent his son to be the savior of the world, to, to die for my sin, your sin, that we simply say yes to him. We receive him and we believe in him. We trust him. That's pretty powerful, I think. How about uh, Ephesians chapter 1? I just have a few more verses I want you to turn to. Ephesians chapter 1. You see, I could put them all up on the board for you. But then how would you ever find your way around? You know, some churches do that. They put every verse up there for you to see. But, but you know what? You need to find your way around this book. So, and maybe you don't have one. But we'll give you one. We got some. Take one. You want this one? Somebody want this one? It's large print. You think I'm kidding. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Look at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ. When? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And having believed... Okay, you heard the word, you believe the word, just like we read in John 1.12. You were marked in him with what? A seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We've, We've been marked in him with a seal. Again, it's the seal of ownership. He's put that seal upon us. He's given us His Holy Spirit as a seal marked in Him with the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Not only did He come and Jesus come and die for us and was risen from the dead, but then the Father sends His Spirit to be kind of a down payment of all that is yet to come for us in heaven. One more, 1 Corinthians chapter Second Corinthians chapter one. That's back a few books, just a few. Right? Actually, it's just one, isn't it? Back just one book. I should know that. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-one. One of the most amazing things about this, the Bible is that it all ties together. It's all—it's an incredible book, written over hundreds and hundreds of years by all these different authors all different walks of life, yet it all ties together. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. That speaks about a good, strong foundation. He anointed us. He set his seal, what, of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Again, this is understood by this idea of a seal, that it's a seal of ownership, that he puts his name upon us. Jesus does. And he gives us his spirit, puts his spirit in our hearts. We belong to him. We're his. We're his. He wants us to be his. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name. Are you his? Another thing that I'll just mention is that if you are his, you're safe, you're secure. He says, I give them eternal life. My sheep, Jesus said these words, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. You're safe. You belong to him. You're his. Let's turn back. To 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, to our verse to the second half of that inscription, that seal that's put upon this foundation. The first part is that the Lord knows those who are His. But He includes this as well. Look what it says there, second half. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Everyone. Who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. You know, to me, this is a, a simple kind of thing that if we are His, we need to act like it. If we are truly His, we need to act like it. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to reach this place of sinless perfection, another false doctrine that's been taught through the ages, that you're going to get so spiritual at some point that you will never sin. Any of you heard of that one? And then there's this kind of this uh, spiritual pressure, really, that, that you're going to get perfect. Well, you know, we, we looked at 1 John chapter 1 last time, and it's, it's just not true. But the truth of it is that if we have the name, and he, he has impressed His seal upon us, that we belong to Him, we are His, and we confess the name of the Lord, that we need to walk after Him, we need to follow Him. And we need to turn away from wickedness, He says. The Living Bible says this, a person who calls himself a Christian should not be doing things that are wrong. The New King James says that we would depart from iniquity. There are things that we need to turn away from in this world. There are things that we need to turn away from. Leave behind. Somebody said this, and uh, it's kind of cool. Listen to it. He says this security, meaning our security of being his, he says it never means that one can live like the devil. In fact, one who appreciates his salvation never attempts to take advantage of it. In other words, if I'm his, and I've just said this, that I'm safe, I'm secure, the 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 thinking is that I could say something like, I'm His and I'm His forever, so it really doesn't matter how I live. I can do whatever because I'm His forever. Right? Do you see that kind of logic? Paul says about that, God forbid that we would, that we would take advantage of the grace of God. We are saved by grace, yes. It's not based upon what we do, but if, if we truly belong to Him, I'm going to want to do what he says. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, 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 honor God with your body. That's what he's telling us to do. Depart from wickedness. Turn away from iniquity. Honor God with our body. If we're his... Let's live like it. That's, the, that's what all I want to say about that. I, I'm not going to hammer you about this. You know what that means, right? It's, it's a very simple thing. Otherwise, otherwise we, you know, we're confessing the name of Jesus, and we've got this other stuff going on. We're, we're living like the world. We're trying to have a foot in the world and a foot in the church, and, and it's inconsistent. People can see right through it. They know, like, yeah, uh-huh. Who's he trying to kid? If we're his, let's live like it. Know that the Lord is God. is he who has made us. And we are what? His. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. The last verse I want to close with, if you'll turn with me, 1 Peter chapter 2. Now that's near the end. Just before uh, the book of 1 John, Second Peter chapter 2. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, could say, well, God only chose the Jewish people, but he, he, he expanded it to include you and I as well. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people what? Belonging to God belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers, aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, the unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. If we're his, he says, let's live like it. Let's fight. It's a fight. It's a battle. Again, we have this battle, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they all want us to do something different. They all want to kind of, you know, get us to go a different way. But God is calling us by His Spirit. He's he's helping us. He's, He's encouraging us to fight the good fight as His. So, if you aren't His yet, you can be. I hope you are. I pray you are. But if you aren't, you can be. And that's all you need to do is receive Him and believe in Him. You say, well, you say that every week. Yeah, I do. And I'm going to say it every week because we need to know that. That is the answer to all of life. To believe, to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to believe that he died on the cross for my sins, this is the foundation of the life that you and I have. But not only that, there are people all around us that need to know. But secondly, if you are his, hey, Peter says rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. That's what he said. A people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Rejoice in it. Live like it. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace that you would send your Son to the world that that i might belong to you that you would give your son to die upon a cross that i might belong to you that i might be yours father it's it's almost too much to fathom it's way way too deep for me to totally understand and when i look at myself i can i, I can say there's nothing there for you to want me. But yet you love me. You want me to be yours. You want me so much that you gave your son. Father, I pray for each one here today that, that, if, we, that if we aren't his yet, we will be before we leave this place today. By simply opening our, opening our heart and saying, Jesus, I, I receive you. I want to be yours. I want to belong to you. And I receive you into my life, and and I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. I give you my life, that I might belong to you forever and ever and ever. And Lord, for those of us that already are yours, uh, it's a journey. It's a big journey. I pray you'd help us to live like it and to, to be consistent with the name that we confess. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?